Okay, so last night I introduced the eight factors of the Noble Eightfold Path, and I very briefly mentioned that two of the five, uh, right mindfulness and right concentration, are two factors that we develop very specifically in meditation. And I offered just a short guided meditation to help incline the heart and the mind in the direction of concentration, this quality of calm, of stability and settledness that is sometimes referred to as unification of mind. And this Stability of mind is a very powerful support for insight, for seeing clearly, or vipassana, which, as most of you know, is the overall purpose of what we're doing here. So this place isn't called the Blue Mountains Insight Meditation Center by accident. That's really what we're grounded in here. And although these path factors of right mindfulness and right concentration are the last two on the list in the numerical sequence, we're going to be starting with them because this path doesn't have to be practiced in a strictly linear way. It's not like we do right view, tick, okay, right thought, tick, next. They actually all are very powerfully interrelated. And the good news is that it doesn't really matter where we start when we develop one, we start to find that so many of the others come along in with them too. So this morning I'd like to continue our exploration of these two meditative factors of right mindfulness and right concentration, this time focusing a little more closely on right mindfulness or appropriate mindfulness which, as I mentioned last night, is defined as the practice of the four foundations of mindfulness, the Satipatthana Sutta, to give it its Pali name. And this Sutta lays out a sequence of different mindfulness practices that progress from quite simple ones all the way through to increasingly sophisticated and subtle aspects of our experience. And all of them are aimed at refining this quality of mindfulness. So I'd like to start with uh, just a quote from Gil Fronsdal because he gives such a clear overview of how this path progresses. He says, When the steps of the Eightfold Path are practiced sequentially from right view through to right concentration, the journey of practice goes inwards to the most intimate part of our lives. Right view and right intention provide the broad understanding for walking the path. Right speech, right action, and right livelihood bring the practice home to our behavior in the world. Then right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration take the practice into the heart, to our innermost capacity to experience ease and peace. So as this Noble Eightfold Path uh, develops then, it moves deeper and deeper into the heart and closer and closer to the goal of ease and peace, ultimately to the complete freedom known as Nibbana or awakening. And this goal is a little bit different from what we might think of as more ordinary or mainstream forms of mindfulness. So even though everyone here already has some understanding of mindfulness, 
I want to take a bit of time now just to talk about what it means in this context, in the context of the Noble Eightfold Path. Because as I think you all know, mindfulness is popping up everywhere these days. And I've shared with many of you already a couple of years ago when I was researching this, I googled the word mindfulness and I got 17 and a half million hits. But when I did the same thing a few months ago, I got 35 million hits. So just in two years, it's doubled. I didn't do it again, but who, who knows what it would be now. So mindfulness has become a buzzword. And when anything becomes a buzzword, it starts to lose the subtleties and the depths of its meaning. So more and more we see mindfulness being marketed as a method of uh, reducing stress, managing anxiety, which is great. These things can be byproducts of mindfulness, but they're not the main goal in the Buddha's teachings. We also see, as I've uh, joked, that mindfulness is sold as a way to improve your work productivity or your cooking skills or your tango dancing or even Monsanto has a program, Mindfulness at Monsanto. So mindfulness is being used in these many different ways, many of which may well be beneficial, but they're not necessarily going to cultivate the deepest ease and freedom of heart and mind. So that's one distinction between what we might think of as more mainstream forms of mindfulness and the mindfulness that we're practicing here. So I'd like to give you just a few of my own favorite definitions from various teachers of what this word mindfulness, sati in Pali, uh, means. So literally, sati means to remember, but not remember the past, but remembering to be present, to be in the present moment. So John Peacock translates it as present moment recollection or present moment awareness. And Gil Fransdell calls it the cultivation of clear, stable and non-judgmental awareness. And then Sharon Salzberg and Joseph Goldstein, they say mindfulness means being aware of what is going on as it actually arises, not being lost in our conclusions or judgments about it, our fantasies of what it means, our hopes, our fears, our aversion. Rather, mindfulness means seeing nakedly and directly this is what is happening right now. And I just want to highlight that nakedly and directly because sometimes people have a misunderstanding that mindfulness is somehow seeing my experience from a distance and creating this sense of observing or separation. But there's actually a quality of intimacy with when the mindfulness is very strong. It makes us closer to our experience rather than more separate from it. I also like to share... One other definition of mindfulness from the German scholar monk Bhikkhu Analio, who wrote his PhD on the Satipatthana Sutta, and that went on to become quite a well-known book, Satipatthana, The Direct Path to Realization. And uh, I've worked a little bit with Bhikkhu Analio at IMS, and he speaks something like 15 different languages, and he's translated the texts from Pali, 
and Sanskrit into Tibet, um, and Tibetan and Chinese into English. And he also speaks German and many other European languages. So I was impressed that he's managed to condense the definition of mindfulness into four words. Keep calmly knowing change. Keep calmly knowing change or KCKC for short. So you can't get much more condensed than that. The whole of the Satipatthana Sutta comes down to four letters, KC, KC. And notice that calmly piece, that's more of the concentration aspect of the teachings. So really insight and calm come together in this practice. And as I've been emphasizing, all of the techniques in the Satipatthana Sutta, even though they're insight practices, they develop some degree of calm through this continuity of mindfulness. And we usually start with mindfulness of the breathing, of the breath, because this is a very portable object for our attention. If we're alive, pretty obviously we're breathing. So we always have an opportunity to practice mindfulness of breathing. So we begin by bringing our awareness to wherever the experience of the breath feels most clear for us in the body. So for some people that's at the nostrils, the sensation of the air coming in, going in the nose. For other people it's more in the upper chest, And for others, it can be the abdomen, the rising and falling of the abdomen. So it doesn't matter where we notice it so much as that we notice it and that we're able to stay connected with the physical experience of the breath. It also doesn't matter how the breath is. So this is important. We're not trying to make the breath be any particular way. It can be ragged or shallow or fast or smooth or slow or strong or deep. doesn't matter. We just notice that's how the breath is. So sometimes when people bring attention to the breath, they unconsciously try to control it in some way. So as best you can, remembering that quality of exploring and enjoying, just relax and allow the breath to be however it is. So I've been mentioning that that there are these two slightly different approaches to meditation that um, can either develop more calm and stability of mind, which is right concentration, or can sharpen our refine our attention, bring more refined attention to our experience, and this is in the service of mindfulness and insight. So when we practice mindfulness of breathing, we can emphasize one of these two slightly different approaches. We can use the breath to calm the body and mind, or we can use the breath to sharpen insight. As an analogy for that, hopefully will be helpful, I sometimes use the image of a surfer. I haven't surfed myself, but I grew up on a surf beach and I've watched a lot of surfers. And if you have watched, say, a a woman's surfing and she's waiting for it to catch a wave. When she's waiting for that um, wave that she wants, she's resting on her board and there's a swell and the board and she are just gently moving up and down. She's relaxed. She's just noticing 
rising and falling, rising and falling. Very simple. When a wave comes that she wants to catch and she actually catches it, then her attention becomes hyper aware and she's really tuned into every aspect of her experience. So she's paying attention to her balance in the body on the board. She's paying attention to the speed and the force of the water. She's paying attention to the wind to the presence of other surfers, maybe to the presence of sharks. So she's really tuned into every aspect of her environment. And this is like mindfulness of breathing to develop insight. So in the first one, she's not actually doing a lot. She's just aware of that basic sense of the board moving up and down. In the second one, she's really noticing all the details of her experience as they're changing. And that's really the difference. So in the same way, when it comes to the breath, we can simply notice rising, falling, rising, falling, or in, out, in, out, if we're working at the nostrils. And that's all. We're just connecting to the rhythm of the breath. That's mindfulness of breathing that helps to develop calm. If we want to change and to develop more refined awareness in the service of insight, Then we start to zoom into the details of the breath and to notice all the subtle changes. So we might notice the length of the breath, the temperature of the breath, whether it's ragged or smooth, long or short, shallow or deep. We can start to notice all the other physical sensations that are associated with it. For example, tingling or pressure or vibration or expansion, contraction, pushing, settling, and so on. So we're really noticing the particular details of each breath. So I hope that helps to just um, give an overview of these two slightly different approaches. And the practical um, value of knowing these different approaches is that depending on what's happening in our meditation, it might be more skillful to emphasize one more than the other. So for example, we're really scattered and distracted and having a hard time focusing, it might be helpful to just rest the breath on that simple knowing of breathing in and breathing out to help the whole nervous system calm down a little. On the other hand, if we're feeling quite calm and stable and settled, sometimes that really rhythmic, slow, simple breath ends up dulling the mind and we start to go too far into the side of calm. So if you notice that, that might be an opportunity to increase the factor of investigation and pay more attention to the breath. Okay. Is it long or short, rough or smooth, warm or cool, and so on. And just that little bit of extra attention brings more energy to the whole system and can help us to wake up. So knowing which of these two approaches is most applicable in the service of what's happening for us in any particular session is part of the skill of the meditation. Okay, so in this next guided meditation, I'd like to offer some instructions that help us into both uh, starting with the more calming side of the breath and then 
later into the meditation, emphasizing more of the refined awareness, just so you might get a sense of how the two uh, might work for you. Okay.